We all have questions. We all need answers. It is on this program that we get our answers from the Bible. It's time to Ask the Preacher with Rev. Carl Gallops of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. Welcome to another edition of Ask the Preacher. I'm your host, Mike Bates, and with me in the studio, as he is every week, is the pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, Reverend Carl Gallops. Welcome, Carl. Thank you, Mike. It's always a joy to be here. I have a question for you today that kind of I need to preface it with a statement, but then I'll follow up with a question, and that is that there's a lot of people who don't go to church, might have gone to church in their youth, but don't want to go because, ah, it's a bunch of hypocrites there. Yeah. Ah, there's all that infighting. Yeah, they're not really serving the Lord. Yeah, I just don't feel like hanging out with those people, that kind of thing. Yeah. So my question for you for today's program is, are there hypocrites in the churches? And we're not going to name names, of course. But... <laughs> I was going to say, do you want me to give you a list of names? <laughs> no, that's a tremendous question, but though. It really are, is. Are there hypocrites in the church, number yeah. one? And the, the sort of follow-up that has to blend into that is, what do you say to people who use that or state that as their reason for not going to church? Yeah. Tremendous questions. And you've asked two or three questions and made a couple of statements that uh, beg for uh, explanation. So keep me on track because, as you know, we're not doing this from notes and I'm having to do this off the top of my head. And everything that you just asked or said was tremendous. And, and they are asked and they are said a lot by people. And they're very near and dear to my heart. So let me kind of begin to address them. First of all, let me just tell you why this topic is near and dear to my heart. Um, the, the Lord has put in me, really, uh, well, Jesus said these words after he cleared the money changers out of the temple. He said, zeal for my father's house will be my undoing. I think that loosely translates to Jesus saying, if I could sin, <laughs> if I ever sinned, and Jesus could not and did not sin, if, if I could ever sin, it would be over. Jesus was saying, I'd like to whoop somebody over this. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of a funny way of thinking. That the, the, but, but he did not sin because his zeal, his passion was, was righteous. And that is he wanted his father's house. He wanted the house of God to be as pure as humanly possible in this world uh, with, with God's help. And, and he has put that in my heart, and I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, Mike, please hear me, but I am saying that as a pastor, God has put that same zealousness in my heart. And I think it comes, a lot of it comes out of my background of, uh, of uh, I had great parents and, and, and they took me to church for most of my life, but there was a chunk of my older teenage years where church going was not real important to our, our family as a whole. Um, and, uh, and then when I did go back to church and eventually uh, surrendered my life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when, when I heard the gospel preached very clearly and when I understood it very clearly, from that point on then in my life, I was in and out of several churches because of moving from place to place. And so I had the advantage of observing churches and churchmanship from a person who was not um, I'm going to use the word indoctrinated here. I don't mean that in the evil sense, but indoctrinated from birth, for example, into churchmanship. In other words, I didn't have a, a frame of reference to base normal upon. I just would observe churches and the politics of churches and the business of churches and the, the, the power grouping that sometimes happens in churches. And it, and it, and it made me sick as a, as a young Christian, somebody who didn't even know the word that well. 
So as I matured in my faith and matured in the Lord, and then the Lord called me into the ministry to be a pastor of one of these churches, you know, who knew where, then I began to really fear and to test my, uh, to question my own strength as to, can I stand up to this phenomena that happens in churches? And by the way, Mike, I, I really believe it's a spiritual thing. I think it's a spiritual battle. Wherever God's kingdom set up, Satan's there looking to destroy it. And so this whole issue of hypocrisy and, and infighting and politics and, and, and all that, it, it, it all rolls together. And in my background, as I went from church to church, I saw it. Well, when God said, okay, I'm going to give you a chance to do something about it. <laughs> You're going to be a servant for me. And when I became a pastor, Mike, it has been one of my top, top goals in life as a pastor to try with the best of my ability, with God's help, because humanly this is impossible, but to build a church, to establish a church, to create a church, if you will, that is as pure and as sweet and as biblical as humanly possible with God's help. Now, I'm the pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church and have been for many years now, 19 years as of this recording today. Um, and, and I'm not saying Hickory Hammock is perfect. By no means would I ever claim that. But in 19 years, it has come a long way, a long way. First four, five, six years, you know what we dealt with in our church, Mike? Hypocrisy, fighting, backbiting, gossiping, slandering, politics, power groups, cliques. That's junk that I believe is in every church, Mike, unless it is distinctly and directly dealt with. Almost the way that Jesus dealt with the money changers in the temple. You just walk right in and you clean it up. Now, it took me five or six years. I had to pray through it. I had to work through it. I was new as a pastor. I'd been a cop for 10 years. I didn't know what it meant to be a pastor. I had wonderful people who loved me and supported me, prayed with me. I had great deacons that stood beside me. But we had to deal with all that at Hickory Hammock. And you know, Mike, we dealt with all that a long time ago. And so am I telling you I have a church now that's has no hypocrites in it? Uh, no. Am I telling you we have a church that just is, operates perfectly and has no problems? No. But I'm telling you, Mike, it's the best church that I have ever been in. And I know there are other churches as good or better than Hickory Hammock, and they've worked through the same problems. I'm, 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 but I'm telling you that it takes work, it takes prayer, it takes a lot of effort, it takes people knowing the Word and knowing Jesus' zealousness for the church, and then for the church developing that same zealousness. So that's my background. That's why this is a passion topic to me. Now, to get directly to your question about hypocrites and hypocrisy, as a pastor, I'm confronted with this a lot when I'm inviting people to church or, and it's hard to explain to people that, listen, Hickory Hammock's different, I promise you. You know, they've heard that story before. And, but when people come, they say, oh my goodness, we had no idea such a church existed. And I say, yeah, you know, we're the best kept secret in, that, <laughs> in, in, the, in, in Northwest Florida uh, because it really, such a church really does exist, but you have to come experience it. But, but people always say, well, I'm not going to go down there because of the hypocrites. Or I know somebody that goes to your church that lays out drinking on Friday nights and he's in your church on Sunday morning and he takes up the offering and he does this and he does. You know, Mike, we have five or six hundred people right now as of this recording that come regularly to our services. Is there somebody that might meet that description? I'm sure out of five or six hundred people there are. We don't run a cult out there. We don't look in people's windows at their house and do background checks on everybody that comes to the church. And we don't run people's lives for them. 
but when we do get involved in people's lives, Mike, it's when that when their lifestyle directly impacts the church. If somebody is, you know, living such a life or or so hypocritically that it really begins to impact the church, then we minister to them lovingly and hopefully discreetly. But but the, back to the question again: hypocrites, hypocrites in the church. I'm not going to come to church because of hypocrites. I don't need that church stuff because there's so many hypocrites. Well, how do we address that? That's your major question. Isn't it? That's your main mm-hmm. question. Yeah. Well, here's my answer to people, Mike. It's, it's several fold. First of all, let's define hypocrisy. What do you mean by the hypocrites in the church? Do you mean by that people who are struggling and occasionally stumble and occasionally say something they ought not to say or do something they ought not to do or act like they ought not to act? Well, if that's how you define hypocrisy, then you've just described me. I'm a person. I'm a human being. Yes, I'm a pastor. And yes, I live a pretty consistent godly life. But I also struggle with my sin nature. There are times when someone ob- might observe me saying something I really ought not to say or, or, or acting some way I really ought not to act or treating somebody some way that I really ought not to treat them. Now, as a Christian, I always try to make those things right when they convict me and all of that. But at a point in my life, somebody may say, look at that hypocrite. Well, if you're going to define hypocrisy that narrowly, then I agree with what the Scripture says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 17, that we are all hypocrites. We are all liars. You know, We are all insincere. Uh, that has to do with our sin nature. But I don't think that's how most people would honestly or fairly define hypocrisy. Well, that's really an unfair definition because that fits the entire human race. Mm-hmm. I define hypocrisy more like how Jesus defined it, and it's kind of twofold. One is the out-and-out blatant play actor, the person pretending like there's something that they're not solely for their personal gain. And I use the illustration of And I'm not cracking on salesmen here, but let's say somebody that joined a church just so they could sell a product. Maybe somebody who joined a church knowing that they don't care anything about the Lord or the Lord's Word or church or church people except they see it as a huge market. I'm going to join the church so I can sell more cars or so I can sell more insurance or so I can sell more Amway or so I can sell more Mary Kay or something like that. And by the way, all of these products are perfectly legitimate products and perfectly legitimate, wonderful careers and businesses, provided your heart is right. But are there people who join organizations and churches to profit themselves? Yes. Is that a hypocrite? Absolutely. Because some of them will go so far as to join the church and agree with the doctrines and get baptized and put their name on the church roll solely for the purpose of pretending like they're one of the crowd so they can line their own pockets. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is hypocrisy. That is evil. God knows that. Usually it is exposed. Usually a person can't live that hypocritically for long without really being seen for what they are. But there's another level of hypocrisy too, Mike, that's just as deadly in the one that nailed Jesus to the cross. And it's religious hypocrisy. It's a self-righteous hypocrisy. Now, there's a fine line here, but let me explain how this works. Jesus continually called the Pharisees hypocrites. Now, that's interesting, Mike, because the Pharisees were the religious heroes of the people of the day. They were known as the, the, the synagogue party. They were known as the people's party, religious party, the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. They were the keepers of the law. They were the teachers of the law. They were the ones who taught in the synagogues. They were the synagogue presidents, etc. Well, these people, in the day that Jesus came to, to, to earth, in the day that God put on flesh, they were kind of the religious heroes among the religious people because they were seen as the ones who lived a very righteous, pious life. Why did Jesus call them hypocrites? 
These people that were in church every time the doors opened, the people that were in the Word, teaching the Word every time they had it. Uh, why did Jesus call them hypocrites? Because they judged other people's lives not by the Word of God, not by God's righteousness, but by their own righteousness. I'm giving, for example, Mike, they would say, listen, if you want to be loved by God, you need to live like I live. You need to do what I do, and you need to look like me, dress like me, act like me, and God will love you more. Jesus said, you are self-righteous hypocrites. That's where the, the warning came from, Mike, when he said, judge not lest ye be judged. Now, there's a difference between discerning when there's sin in someone's life. That's not judging. Uh, uh, that's that's uh, judging the fruits of a person's life. There's a difference between that and me saying to you, Mike, uh, Mike, um, you don't read your Bible two hours a day? Wow, I do. Wow, God loves me more than you. Uh, wow, you're probably going to go to hell, Mike. Uh, you're not very you're not very Christian, Mike. I I I say prayers uh, four times a day, Mike. How many times do you say prayers? What once at your meal? Wow, <laughs> you're not nearly as good as I am. Okay, that's religious hypocrisy. Why? Because I'm judging you by me, mm -hmm. rather than judging you by the Word of God and or by the standards that Jesus set. And by the way, judging myself by those same standards. Now it's okay for us to judge one another according to God's word, but it is hypocritical and godless for you to judge me based upon your level of perceived spirituality or for me to judge you based upon my level of perceived spirituality. So this hypocrisy thing, the definition of it is very important. So when a person says to me, I'm not going to church because of all the hypocrites, you know, one of the first things I want to know is, well, what do you mean by hypocrites now? And then the second thing that I try to do is to explain to them, look, if you're talking about a guy that you saw, uh, you know, buying a lottery ticket on Saturday night, but he's in church Sunday morning and he's there every Sunday and maybe he's involved. Maybe he teaches a Sunday school class. Maybe he sings in the choir. Maybe he takes up the collection or something, you know, and you say, well, he's a hypocrite. Well, you know, maybe, maybe, but probably he's struggling with an area of temptation in his life. He probably needs some loving and some counseling. He probably needs some direction. Um, I wouldn't define him necessarily right off as a hypocrite. And I would say to somebody who says, I'm not going to church because of that guy. I would say, okay, look, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together, I will be also. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, he said, I will be also. In other words, Jesus is saying, can you find me on a deer stand or in a boat? Yes. But more than likely, where you're going to hear from God, where you're going to be really convicted by his word and challenged by his word and brought closer to him is in a setting where there is a is a congregation of believer, believers gathered for the purpose of praising him and getting into his word. In other words, you're more than likely to hear from the Lord in church than you are on a deer stand. OK, so if that is true and here's this guy struggling with his life, but yet he's in church every Sunday. Now, if you want to label him as a hypocrite, let's say he's a hypocrite. So here's this hypocrite in church where God has promised to be. And here you are on a deer stand where he has not promised to be. And I guarantee you're probably not thinking about God or reading your Bible. You're hunting deer. Well, if this hypocrite, so-called, is in church every Sunday and you're out here on the deer stand or on the river or on the golf course and you're saying, I'm not going to church because of the hypocrites. Well, guess who's closer to God? See? The hypocrite is. Mm -hmm. At least he's in God's house. At least he's under the preaching and teaching of the word. At least he's in a place where he can be convicted and, and challenged and encouraged. And you're not. And you're using him as an excuse. So it's a lame, weak, flimsy excuse 
And then I also tell people, but you know, how hypocritical of you to say, I'm not going to church because of the hypocrites. Um, there are hypocrites who work in grocery stores, but you still go to grocery stores. There are people who work in grocery stores who think that you ought to be raising your own food off the land, but they have to have a job, so they work in a grocery store. Well, they're hypocrites, but you buy your food from them. They're hypocrites in the medical profession, but you go to doctors. There are hypocrites in every walk of life. There are hypocrites in the school systems. But you go to school, you send your kids to school, etc. We are faced with hypocrisy, with play acting, with people who are not quite what they say they are in every aspect of our life, yet we don't let it keep us from living and doing what is right. And so I say to a person, please don't use that excuse in, in not coming to church or in staying away from the Lord, because there will be no one to stand beside you in the day of judgment to plead your case that, well, uh, he didn't go to church because of the hypocrites, Lord. The Lord's very familiar with hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is what nailed him to the cross. But what I say to those who are struggling with this issue is, yes, the church is made up of people. Many are sincere and very consistent in their walk. Some are sincere and a little more inconsistent, and some are just plain not sincere, and those are your hypocrites. But don't let that keep you from doing what is right, serving God, finding a great church family, becoming a part of it, and helping to change it if, if possible. Okay. We've got to take our break now, okay. but when we get back, I want to change the focus slightly. It's still going to be on hypocrisy, if it exists, in the example that I'm about to give. But we've been talking about people who are hypocrites. I'm going to ask you when we get back if churches, the whole institution of the church, can be hypocritical in that there's so much focus on the worldly business aspect of running a church versus spiritual nourishment and worship. What a great question. I look forward to that. Well, we'll get the answer to it. Okay. After this short break, when Ask the Preacher continues. Welcome back to Ask the Hypocrite with Reverend Carl Gallops. <laughs> <laughs> Ask the Hypocrite, huh? Well, you know, for those just tuning in, that could be very bad. Yeah. We just did it. Oh, of course, the show is on hypocrisy and hypocrisy in the church. And I don't go to church because of the hypocrites. But you said about 10 yes. minutes ago, for those who are joining late, let us explain that so they don't just think I'm name calling. You did say about 10 minutes ago that you... Yes. are a hypocrite in the context of this show. Why don't you very quickly well, answer yeah, that and then yeah. we'll And what I said was is that we are all hypocrites according to the Word of God because of our sin nature, and it depends on how closely you want to define hypocrisy. Do I sometimes think things I shouldn't? Yes. Do I sometimes say things I shouldn't? Yes. Do I sometimes act like I shouldn't? Yes, of course. Uh, I try not to consistently. I try to consistently uh, live a godly life, but I, but I have a... I'm human, and I'm not superhuman, and I have a sin nature. And so to that degree, yes, we are all hypocrites. But now, the, the more closely defined hypocrisy is where one just pretends they're a Christian for their own personal gain, and that kind of hypocrisy is absolutely ungodly and condemned by God. Well, and even as a preacher, as great a guy as you may be, you're not perfect. I mean, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we struggle with it, and even pastors struggle with even it. Even pastors so. struggle with the sin nature. Paul himself said, oh, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. And so he described that very struggle within him, within himself. Well, let's talk about the hypocrisy of churches, if it even fits that definition. And so let me give oh, the I premise. Yeah. And that is that there is so much focus within churches, especially the large churches, mm -hmm. I think, um, on the worldly business aspect of running the church. Yes. 
and the spirituality and the, the nourishment of, of your, your soul and worshiping the Lord, it yes. sometimes takes yes. a backseat to the necessary business aspect of running a church. Yeah, man. Is what, that hypocritical? What, no, y- y- yes and no. What an, what an awesome observation. What a wonderful question. And, and let me share with the listeners and with you how I try to keep it in balance. And again, I'm not claiming I do this perfectly. I've been a pastor for a while and I've learned a lot and I'm getting better. I joke with my people all the time, say, you know, by the time I'm 80 years old, I'm going to be a good pastor <laughs> because I'm learning so much. But yes, that very balance, Mike, it to me is one of the biggest struggles that I have in my ministry and that we have at Hickory Hammock. Because in the earlier part of the show, I was bragging on, on, on the church that I pastor, how, how wonderfully balanced overall it has become through the years and how wonderfully consistently biblical and godly it has become. Because we dealt with the junk that most churches have, we dealt with that in the first five years of our ministry. But um, uh, Mike, yes, uh, so much of the business aspect of a church the worldly business aspect with the words you used. So much of that, Mike, is unavoidable. It is absolutely forced upon the church by the world. For example, at Hickory Hammock, all right, uh, we deal Monday through Friday during business hours, we deal with all of the church programming and the spiritual stuff and counseling and weddings and funerals and deaths and hospitals and surgeries and all that stuff. But you know what else we deal with? We are a business office. We deal with rules and regulations and laws and zoning and, and, and ordinances and policies and procedures of governments and the society in which we live and, and and insurance and payments and banks and loans and documents to be signed and people to be negotiated with and 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 so so that segment of worldly business is absolutely essential in running a larger church and but you know how you approach that that's up to the leadership. You can approach it very worldly and secularly and godless and, and lie and connive and cheat and steal to get what you want, or you can try to be a Christian about it. And and in the world makes that very difficult, by the way, Mike. But at Hickory Hammock, for example, we just refuse to compromise and we try to do everything with as much excellence and integrity and godliness as, as possible. I will admit, sometimes it's right on the edge because sometimes the world makes it hard to kind of smile and keep a godly attitude when they're shoving laws and rules and regulations down your throat that sometimes seem to be designed to shut you down. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to stand and, and sometimes bow your chest out a little bit and, and stand for your constitutional right and your God-given right to, to, to worship and, um, and to run your church organization because there are always some aspects of government seeming to encroach and to kind of shut it down. So and there have been many people who have died for that throughout the thousands of years of church history. Uh, so, so yeah, there's that aspect of it. But then there's the aspect which you're probably talking about, about how some churches seem to gravitate towards it gleefully. <laughs> that is, they seem to enjoy the worldly aspect and, and tend to run their church like an empire, like a corporation, like a business. A lot of it seems to be more about investing in real estate than in mm-hmm. saving souls. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, that certainly... You know, the gymnasium's nice. The family uh, fellowship hall is nice. Things like that. But so much of church focus, not every church, but so much, it, it just appears to me and to a lot of people as being bigger, just... Better, bigger, better, fancier buildings and stuff. Uh, about earthly possessions and yeah. buildings yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you know, that's basically... And a, a Western world phenomena, 
<laughs> Europe and America. I mean, you, you can go into other areas of the world where they're happy to meet in a shack, you know, mm-hmm. and they're just as happy as they can be. And church is just as sweet or sweeter. I know I've been there on mission trips and stuff. But, uh, but you know, Mike, you're right. Um, uh, let me show you the balance we've tried to do at Hicker Hammock. Again, I'm not touting Hicker Hammock as perfect. I'm just sharing candidly the struggles of a pastor here over the air um, and the things we struggle with. And you've asked such excellent questions. Um, it, we've just recently, in the last three years, decided, you know, our church was, we were getting packed out on Sunday mornings. And I went to the church. I said, look, we've got two choices. Either we build a multi-million dollar new facility put our children in debt for years because we won't pay it off in my lifetime. Or we redirect our focus and redirect our priorities. We voted to redirect our focus and priorities. And this was the basic package because we're running out of time here. I said, look, let's put all of our money and efforts and energy into missions and evangelism. And let's go to two services in the building we have. Three services if necessary. Yay, even four services if necessary. Let's use the fire out of the buildings we have until they crumble down around us, and then we'll trust God to provide something. Because the bottom line is we need buildings, Mike. you got to have buildings. But you're right. I think sometimes there's too much focus on building more and more and more and bigger and bigger and bigger to compete with other churches and to keep up with the Joneses. More emphasis on that than there is on the spiritual things of God, missions, evangelism, outreach, and doing church. And I think that is to the shame of many churches. It's so much the focus on uh, serving yourself instead of serving others. It really is. Seems to be. Yeah. So. And there's a balance there because you've got to have buildings, but uh, it can be shameful too. Okay. Well, we are flat out of time. Yeah. These programs always go by very quickly. Uh, there's a lot of great information on Ask the Preacher type yep. questions at the website for the church, www.hickoryhammockbaptist.com. Carl, would you please close us in prayer? I will. Lord, I know your word says we are all hypocritical at times. Forgive us of that. May we be more genuine and consistent in our walk. I pray that this program has helped to bring somebody closer to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.